My name is Ellen Wilde, if you don't know who I am, and I'm one of the ministers on the team here at uh, CBC, and it's good to be sharing some thoughts with you this morning. We are in the second Sunday in a new teaching series for this summer term called Where Do We Grow From Here? Now, uh, where do we grow from here? This is the theme that Ken, our senior minister, is taking on his travels around the country um, as BU vice president and president. Uh, Louise already mentioned in the notices earlier that Ken is due to take on his presidential role Next week, he's, become, he's being inducted as the Baptist Together president. Um, if you are new, that uh, is just to say it's a, it's a one-year uh, honorary role, really, uh, with an opportunity to spend time traveling around the country, speaking to churches and networks and leaders with a theme. He's had a bit of a run-up to it in his year as vice president. He gets a bit of a, I think he calls it the lap of honor year, uh, once it's finished. But this is the main year about to start when he's going to be away from us here at CBC for 50% of his time. And Ken's heart and hope is that any church, whatever size they are, whatever kind of health they are, are able to grapple with this theme. And he wants to encourage churches and leaders to ask this question, where can we grow from here? Hoping to encourage churches into growth through mission. And uh, it's a great thing for us that as we are investing in Ken to serve in that way, we are investing in mission nationally. And so today's title uh, is Moving the Goalposts, Moving the Goalposts. And we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 9, where the verse that the children looked at before they went out is from 1 Corinthians 9. If you want to follow it, it's on page 1151 in uh, the Bibles that are in your rows. You can follow it if you'd like to, and it's here on the screen as well. And this is Paul writing. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings." So this phrase, moving the goalposts, it's a a metaphor. You will have heard the phrase, I'm sure, based around uh, playing ball games. And it means to change the rules of the game whilst it's in play in order to give you an advantage. So if you see a bunch of kids playing um, football in a local park, they might put their bags or their jumpers as goalposts um, to play this game. And if they want an advantage to make it harder for someone else to score, they might move their bags or their rucksacks or their cones in a bit to make the goal a bit smaller. There's one recorded example of a footballer actually doing this in a professional match. In 2009, this Swedish goalkeeper, Kim Christensen, was playing for IFK Gothenburg and he was caught on camera literally moving the two posts inches closer together in one of their top division matches in Swedish football. The goalpost rests on top of the playing field. It's blurry, but there's a bit of video footage. I don't know if you can see him actually moving the goalposts. 
It was interesting um, when he was interviewed about it because uh, uh, when, once he was found out, he'd actually confessed that he'd done it before. Apparently he said, I got the tip from a goalkeeping friend of mine a few years ago and since then I've done it from time to time. <laughs> So the metaphors come to mean anyone who has changed the rules in the middle of any situation, not just a, a, a ball game or any activity, in order to gain advantages for themselves. Moving the parameters. In a business situation, you might say, you've moved the goalposts of that meeting. That's not what I was expecting. That's not what I thought I was coming to. That's not what your email said. You've moved the parameters. You've moved the goalposts. And the phrase, moving the goalposts, as it relates to where do we go from here, is trying to acknowledge that the game that we are in has changed. And we are trying to ask ourselves, are there things that we can do to our advantage to help us to still try and win? Now, the game that we're in, we're not using this lightly, wanting to minimise. The task that we have, the game we're in, is huge. It's actually the task of winning our communities for Jesus, to be ambassadors of his love and his kingdom. That's the task that we are charged with as disciples, the reason that we're here on earth. And our task is the same as it ever was. But the game, the context of it, has changed hugely. And if we're to take following Jesus seriously, it means thinking carefully about how we share what is a timeless message, an unchanging message, the power of Christ and him crucified, dead and risen again for us, forgiveness for our sins, God of heaven living in us, his righteousness for ours, the timeless message of Jesus. How do we share that message when the context around us, the times are changing so hugely? And Paul is talking about changing the rules of play here in this passage that we've read. The city of Corinth that he was writing to was a big, thriving, bustling city. It was a city of wealth. It was a city of culture. And here in the midst of that city are these Corinthian Christians who receive this letter. Now, um, Paul had founded this church in Corinth about five years before. He'd spent 18 months seeing people converted and establishing the church before he went off on his travels. And he's now in Ephesus. He's heard that the church is having some problems, and so he writes to them. Now, one of the problems in Corinth was that the people there prided themselves on their freedom, which, of course, is a great Christian ideal, but there was an unhealthy pride there. They lived in Corinth, which because it was a Roman colony, had rights and privileges and freedoms that other cities didn't. The citizens were free people. And add to that, um, now they're Christians, they thought they had spiritual freedom in Christ as well. They weren't under Jewish law anymore. Didn't have to obey the Jewish laws. They were free in Christ. And so they, they thought God had set them free through Jesus, which of course he had and is true, was true for them. But Paul says here in verse 19, yes, he's free, but he's chosen to make himself a slave for the sake of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul's goal was to win people. That was the goal, to reach people for Jesus. And so he chooses to become like the people that he wanted to win. If we're serious about sharing the gospel, it will affect what we choose to do and how we choose to behave. I'm to live a different life now that I'm a Christian. I have different priorities. And because people matter to God, then they should also matter to me. 
Paul says he became like a Jew to win the Jews. It probably meant that he continued to go to the Jewish synagogue and take part in prayers, to use that opportunity to share about Jesus the Messiah. While presenting the gospel to Jews, he became as one under the law, verse 20, meaning that he was prepared to observe uh, customs and um, commands of the laws, like food restrictions maybe, and the Sabbath, which he didn't need to, but that he chose to do that to fit in with the culture and to share with the people he was trying to win. The message of the gospel is the same, but Paul adapts his behaviour so that other people will see and hear and understand. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, he says. Where do we grow from here? We need to go on trying to cross the cultural gap, crossing the cultural gap. Paul did it 2,000 years ago in ways that were appropriate for his time, for his context, for his game, for his culture. And we ought to do the same now in ways that work with our culture. The history of our church uh, here is interesting. It was built um, in the 50s, and when the new building went up, not this bit, this bit's newer, but the bit out, the foyer bit, uh, the original church, when that went up, it was uh, amazing because at that time, people saw a new church going up, and they just came. People saw a new church and just felt it was the right thing to do, just to come, to come along and be part of this new church. And so our church was established, and it grew. Well, times have changed, haven't they? people will no longer choose to just get up and go to church. Not our church, not any church. How many people in and around our communities would choose to come um, to any church service, however relevant and uh, contemporary and positive and community building we think it is, most people won't just come. I've used this illustration before, but um, I think it's a helpful one in the light of this theme this morning. And so I'll share it with you again. I want to show you a picture of this bridge. It's the Choliotika Bridge in Honduras. It was built with such design strength that it could withstand the worst of hurricanes. And in 1998, Hurricane Mitch arrived in Honduras, and it was such a powerful hurricane that it caused mass flooding. 6,000 people were killed, and 150 bridges were completely wiped out, but not the Choliotica Bridge. The bridge itself, after the hurricane, was left in near-perfect condition. But a wider view of what happened after the hurricane is this. And it shows you that the the roads either side of the uh, bridge had completely vanished. They were just completely washed away, the roads. And even more significantly, during that mass flooding caused by the hurricane, the Choliotica River, which had been several hundred feet wide, had carved itself a new channel. And it no longer flowed under the bridge. So there's this bridge, standing strong and proud. But it now spans dry ground. Churches can be like the Choliotica Bridge, designed and built and standing firm and strong for a different river that used to flow. The temptation is to try and redirect the river back under the bridge. But actually what is needed is to build new bridges in the place where the river has moved to. 
A bridge can be a brilliant piece of construction, but if it doesn't have a river running under it, it is irrelevant and largely useless. Our culture has shifted massively. Churches are still standing, but the tide of our culture has carved new paths and moved away from where we are. It's no longer a given that people will grow up knowing Bible stories or turn to the church as their first port of call if they're struggling or in time of need. People don't come to buildings anymore to explore spirituality. They do explore spirituality, but in a whole variety of other ways. Now, we don't want to be a bridge that is standing strong and is really well built, but doesn't have a river running under it. It becomes something that is extremely valuable to the members, but they're not relevant to anyone else. We need to build new bridges in order to engage with where our culture is at and be willing to move to find the river. So where do we grow from here? How do we apply this thought? How do we take Paul's words to the Corinthians and grapple with them and make them make sense in our own lives? Well, first of all, there's a personal challenge, isn't there? How do I grow from here? What does growth look like for me? How can I adapt my behaviour, the things that I choose to do in order to connect better with people who don't know Jesus but who might see him and hear him and witness to him in my life and in my behaviour? What does where do we grow from here mean for us as individuals? What does it mean to move the goalposts, to change the parameters, to change what we do, to give us an advantage with people for whom connecting with faith at the moment isn't a possibility? And then, of course, we need to apply it as we think about church. In what ways do we need to repackage the message so that people can see it and hear it? The same message as I've said the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, but can we use different methods to cross the cultural gap so that, it, so that it makes sense in our world today? Now, our network of alternative gatherings was set up for exactly this reason. Monthly gatherings that meet on a Sunday morning out and about in our community in different ways. Rob mentioned already that today Cedar Ministry are out sharing God's love with older folks in nursing homes. Um, Common Threads are out doing craft and needlework with a half-time talk over coffee and cake to share a testimony or a Christian story. Um, Mud, Sweat and Gears have gone on a bike ride to share with friends the beauty of God's creation and to stop and to pause and to thank God uh, for his creation and for who he is. Um, the whole purpose of setting up those alternative gatherings was to engage with people where they are, in a cultural environment where they are already comfortable, engaging in an activity that helps to meet their needs and to share faith without the purpose, with that purpose of building a sense of community. Now, we've been trying to grapple with this for some years, crossing the cultural gap. And um, one of the reasons we're able to share this message today is, is out of a sense of, of pride, good godly pride, I hope, um, in us as a church, that we've been willing to take this seriously. I'm so, so thankful for the journey that we've been on in the last six years or so that we've been willing to sacrifice a Sunday morning once a month in these different gatherings to go out and share exactly for this reason, to cross the cultural gap for people who aren't going to come in to go and be with them. Now, by my reckonings, um, there'll be at least 60 of our people involved in those alternative gatherings today. So if you look around you and there's spaces, you know, 60 extra people would have been here but they've chosen to go out and share God's love in that way today. So we've been grappling with this already and are so pleased and encouraged uh, about our church taking that seriously. 
but we still need to build more bridges, don't we? It is really interesting that just at the time when Ken is um, away, going to be away a significant amount of time in this year ahead, sharing this message with a whole bunch of wider um, leaders and churches, that we are grappling with this issue ourselves and that we're thinking about this theme again. We shared at the church meeting on Wednesday some of the issues that we are facing with our growth. And we spent some time on Wednesday thinking and praying about that. Where do we grow from here is timely because we are growing as a church. We are really full. We are blessed. We are encouraged. God is at work. What is he saying to us as a church? Where do we grow from here? So we shared at the church meeting, if you were there, you'll have heard this. If you're not, just a recap for you, that as leaders, we've been thinking about this for some time that are aware of the growth and blessing that we see. What is God saying to us? And as we've been thinking about it, there have been uh, two things in particular that have focused our mind and our prayers. The first is to do with our space, our space issues, how busy and full we are here on a Sunday morning. This main worship area is pretty much at capacity every week. We've been trying to get people out in alternative gatherings. And as fast as we get people out, people are coming, which is a wonderful problem to have. But we are full, really, really full, and particularly full in our children's work. You must have noticed it this morning. Andy sends the children out, and it's like a tidal wave, isn't it? Like half the church kind of get up and rush out to the back. We are so blessed with the number of children and young people here. But they're struggling to manage in the groups out the back. If you are a parent or a carer, you will know that the kind of squash it is just trying to get children into the rooms, let alone once you're in the rooms, trying to teach them effectively. And the heart for all our ex-club team is to do the best job they can, teaching our children Sunday by Sunday. So this is a problem. It's, it's a good problem. We're grateful for the problem. Um, we don't want to not have that problem, but it is a problem nevertheless. The second thing that we've been thinking and praying about is the interesting development in the life of our church in recent years, uh, and that's the number of people coming to us on Sundays who live in and around Bosom. We actually used to have very few individuals, particularly families, living in and around Bosom, and now we have a significant number who would call CBC their church. And if you go a bit further west and include Fishbourne and Emsworth and so on, then that's a whole lot more again. And again, what a great problem to have, that people have chosen our church. You know, we're glad, we're grateful that people have committed to us as a church. But it's a problem in that we are so full. It's interesting to us that there are so many people now in and around the Bosom area. And it's not just the uh, numbers of people who live in and around Bosom, but also the sense of community there is in Bosom as well. That Bosom is a, a hub of community now. Families connecting links, links with the school, um, social events, parents get-togethers, people meeting to pray for the area. So it's not just there are numbers of people coming, but also we feel like God is doing something in Bosom, something exciting in that area. Warm connections and openness and friendships that are already established there. So we've been praying and seeking God about what he's saying and doing among us. Where do we grow from here? We've been praying about our space. We've been praying about what God is doing in Bosom, and we just wonder whether there might be something there in those two things together that is worth exploring. And it felt right to us that our next steps should simply be to start to share that with you, the wider church, uh, where we're at, asking you to pray 
about that for us. And also to call people together who live in the area to meet with us and to pray with us. We don't have a plan. So what we're not doing is coming and saying we've got a plan of what, where we grow from here. We don't. We just sense God doing something and feel the right next step is to call people together to pray. If you are a church member, you would have received an email on Thursday explaining what we talked about at the church meeting and explaining all of this. And if you live in and around the Bosom area, you should also have received another email inviting you to a gathering, a brunch gathering on Sunday the 2nd of June, a Sunday morning at the same time as our meeting here to come with you and your families and children if you have them to come and discuss this together. If you are in that area, and didn't get an email, please let me know about that. If you did get an email, it would really help us if you could reply to it and let us know. Just to say, of course, there's, there's no obligation with any of this. Um, if exploring it isn't, you live in the area, but it's not right for you for whatever reason, you're very much, this is your home and your base, that is no problem. If you want to come along and listen and hear the story and discuss together with no other uh, further commitment than that, that's fine as well. At this stage, all we are doing is asking people to come and gather and discern and pray. We are pretty sure that uh, whatever God is calling us to, the journey we've been on with our alternative gatherings might be key to us. We're imagining that while we don't know a plan, while we don't know what this is going to look like, it probably won't be a, a, a replica of, our, of, a, of a traditional church service. That actually to do a traditional church plant, perhaps, where that we're gathered for worship and teaching and communion and rotors, because they're the four things in the Bible, aren't they? Um, that it, it might not look like that. We don't exactly know what it will look like, but we're imagining that God has taken us on a journey for a reason. What does it mean to cross the cultural gap? What does it mean to build a community where, as Christians, we're discipled, and where our kids are discipled, and we grow in love and faith, and where we can make meaningful connections and grow the church through people who, at the moment, don't know Jesus? What does that look like? I don't know. I've got a hunch about what it might not look like, but the idea is to come together and to pray about what that might look like. This is part of our discerning process, whether we live there or not. So uh, just to say to those of you who this doesn't affect in the sense of your geographical location, please, please pray with us. We know that whenever anything new is discussed, people have lots of ideas, which is great. So please talk to us open to any ideas and reflections and thoughts and questions. It would help us if people didn't feed all sorts of speculation and assumptions. Come and chat to us anytime um, about that. Like I said, we don't know what it will look like yet. We do know some things though. We know that God is with us. We know that God is really blessing us here at the moment. We do know that we are so grateful for the sense of unity this church has, which is so precious. And we want to guard that so jealously. And we do know that as we pray in a messy situation where we don't know the outcomes, that we've got a God who will lead us and direct us. The Apostle Paul says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. For the sake of the gospel, he is willing to do what is necessary for people to find Jesus. That we know who we are and whose we are. And then from that, share with others. And of course, it's good for us to remember that the motivation for all of this is love. Paul talks later in uh, 2 Corinthians that it's the love of Christ that compels us, 2 Corinthians 5, motivated by the compelling love of Christ. 
We need a strategy to cross the cultural gap. And that strategy is completely soaked in love. The German theologian Helmut Thielicker said this. He said, the gospel must be constantly forwarded to a new address because the recipient is repeatedly changing their place of residence. He's basically saying the same thing. The goalposts have moved. The bridges aren't spanning rivers anymore. People are moving house and we're sending posts to where they used to live. Three ways of saying the same thing. What does it look like to take the timeless message of Jesus when our cultural context has changed? Can we move the goalposts for us as individuals, adjusting ourselves and as a church to give ourselves the best possibility of sharing the good news of Jesus? Be good to pray about some of that, wouldn't it? Perhaps the band can come back and we'll just spend a few moments in prayer together about all of that. Let's pray. And we're praying, aren't we, to the King of Kings, the one who has this world in his hands, and the one who loves people, wants his church to grow, the one who's blessed us and given us unity, the one that's given us an amazing senior minister who can share this timeless message of Jesus all around the country and mobilise churches to be excited about mission. And so, Lord, we just want to begin by reminding ourselves that we are really, really thankful and grateful there will be many, many Baptist churches that came will meet who would not be in the situation we are in, that are not experiencing the same growth and blessing that we are. And we pray for them and we pray for ourselves. Jesus, would you help us as individuals to work out what it means for ourselves to grow from here in this area? What does it mean to cross the cultural gap for us as an individual on our frontline place tomorrow? And we pray for us as a church. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing here? Is there energy? Is there legs in this thought that you're at work in Bosom and we ought to think about that? This coincidence that there's a real community there and a community of our people here. Lord, if you're in this, we pray you're, you're blessing and leading and guiding. Would you keep us prayerful and unified about this? Help us to do things in the right order, in the way that we explain what's happening to the wider community and the churches. Help us to be bold and brave and courageous in what you're saying. Help us to listen to each other and discern the mind of Christ together because we are all ministers of the gospel. So we give you each other, we give you our church, all on the basis of a huge amount of thanks for the blessing that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.